Lord, where is my ring? Girl, why does this happen? I just don't understand. Why are we like this? I'm so over this. Should we break up? Is he into me? Am I playing myself? Is it over? What is happening? Ladies, this is Charlie Penn. You are listening to The Solve, our brand new Essence Relationship podcast. Welcome to The Solve. Let's do it. Ladies, when you think back to your first sexual encounters or those dating experiences, do they measure up to the hype you'd heard from your friends or your family or what you saw on TV? Across the country and even the world, too many of us are severely miseducated or not educated at all, sis, about sex and socialization. The truth is we read and watch things and listen to people that give us one-dimensional views. And when our experiences don't match up to what we're taught to believe, we begin to think our bodies are broken or we're just not good at dating or flirting or sex. Wrong. What if I told you that your sex life and the dating game can be absolutely bomb? All you needed was a little sex ed reprogramming. I'm really thrilled about this episode because it's honestly the first crossover episode between Yes Girl and The Solve. And honestly, I've been standing for today's guest for some time. She's one of the most free, intentional, and genuine spirits I've ever encountered. Seriously, I love her. I'm talking about Shan Budram, a.k.a. Shan Booty. You know her from YouTube. You know her from Instagram. She's taken social media by storm. Seriously, she's the internet's most sought-after certified sex educator, y'all. Dating coach, relationship expert, all the things. Shan has all of the receipts. She's appeared everywhere from the Steve Harvey show to some of your favorite news sites like Time Magazine, Forbes, and the New York Times. Her passion for helping us rediscover healthy relationships with our own bodies and strengthen our relationships with one another is clear, girls, and so empowering. Whenever we watch her YouTube videos, which, by the way, have over 100 million views so far, get it, sis? You'll want to get out there and practice everything. She really just makes you want to own every bit of your sexuality and just have a sex-positive lifestyle. Shan is a two-time time author, her latest book, which I love and I stand for, The Game of Desire, Five Surprising Secrets to Dating with Dominance and Getting What You Want. Did y'all hear that? Dating with dominance, okay? Getting what you want. I know that's what you want, ladies. Anyway, her book is out now and it's one of those books that you just purchase and instantly you're like, okay, I needed this in my life. Gems were dropped. Not just recycled or repackaged information, but true knowledge. That's what Shan is giving. Hello. What I love most about my sister Shan is that she is unashamed, honey. Shan stands in her truth and is intentional about discussing all things sex with no guilt, which is exactly what we did on today's episode. Y'all, we go in about everything from first sexual encounters, which vibrators we like most, and the key to getting what you want between the sheets. I know y'all are going to get into this conversation because it's a good one. Let's do it. Everyone, I am thrilled. This is the first Yes Girl The Solve podcast crossover event with my homegirl in my head and now real life. It's happened. My one of, I have to say my favorite relationship expert on the history of all things, internet, books, YouTube, life, everything. Chan Booty is here. 
I always feel like the introduction is like for me to pop out the cake at some point. I don't know if I'm supposed to do it earlier. Like, like, I'm here. When yeah. I just pop out now, but I'm still going to read all your receipts. No. Hey, boo. Thank you. Can I love on you as well, too? Please. And just say, I have never met someone who is so seductively warm in my entire life. And we've spoken on the phone before, and of course, via email. But there's something about you in person that... I know why you're snatched up and I want next. Oh my God. If there's a next to be had, please put me in line. You girl, cue it up. Okay, cue it up. I love you just as much. Seductively warm, y'all. My heart just fluttered. That is like the best compliment. Do you know what? Sometimes I feel like uh, I used to run track and field and we go to these events and you're like, wow, I'm around the fastest people in America, the fastest people in the world. And right now I'm having a moment where I'm like, I'm around the best in the business. Like, what? That's how I see this love fest, guys. See what I'm saying? That's how I feel about you. You are literally the most sought after relationship and sex expert on the internet. You have over 35 million YouTube views. Million. Hello? Why are you memorizing this though? Because <laughs> this is my bio, but you're like reading it I like, from your mind. Stand for you. <laughs> this is your this is your second book. It's my second that just came out, you yes. guys. Okay, we're gonna just get right to the promo because this book is life-changing. The game of desire. Okay. Five Surprising Secrets to Dating with Dominance. What? Hello? It came out July 24th? Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Yes. It's already number one dating book on Amazon. Yes. Which is no surprise to me. Oh, thank you. This book is everything. We're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about the fact that literally you breathe relationship and sex gems. Mm-hmm. Like everything you say, every video. You're so, you know what? You guys, if you don't know Shambudi, I have to tell you, she's known for her honesty, vulnerability, and her receipts. Everything she says, she's, she, so eloquently articulates and explains. I mean, she read Steve Harvey for filth. We all saw it. That was epic. I mean, I don't think it was a read. I think it, it was, was a read. You really? He was getting real uncle with you. Yes. And you were like, actually, my lifestyle works for me and yours can work for you. And I respect you. God bless. Yes. That was amazing. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the clip, we're going to talk about it. There's so many places we could go. But can we start with your story? Mm-hmm. You are a celebrity sexologist. Mm-hmm. My new best friend. I've never had the word celebrity placed in front of my name ever. So what? thank How? you for this. I mean, because I think that, you know, we in itself, we're an... We're like the underbelly of wellness. Right. And so I think carving up, there hasn't been a big sex or relationship educator since Dr. Ruth. Like I'm really a crossover massive one. And so you are our Dr. Ruth. We're trying. We're doing it. I think there's an incredible surgence. Like there is probably 20 women that I know and men included actually who are like now coming up and making this like we're pushing our way into the forefront. So and you've been doing this for like how many years? 14, 13? 13 years. Yes. Hello? Yes. A long ass time. That's over a decade. You've been doing it for a decade too. You know, that's why I see you. Sis. Yes. See? Uh, you know what I mean? We've been walking together. Seriously. So tell me how this all began. Because, yes. you know, we have some unique careers here. This is not an everyday job. I think people think about purpose a lot as mm-hmm. finding your purpose, going yeah. towards your purpose. Oftentimes, I think it's about going back. You know, what you really knew as a kid, what was that thing that you were naturally drawn to? And Mm so I always say some kids were just naturally great at the piano or really just drawn to art. I was always drawn to the human body. I was always drawn to touching, to physicality. And so by the time I was five years old, my Barbies were banned from being naked because they just never had clothes on. My mom was like, no, no, like Barbie can no longer, like she can't be at the grocery store, just butt ass naked. And I was just- Barbie needs a little clothes. Yeah. Some panties. I remember my first sexual experience um, at like five. It was me in a pillow and my friend in her pillow. And it was mm-hmm. a really, I remember to this day being really consensual and it felt pure and fun and it felt like an extension of me. My friend went and told the next day for some reason. I just even maybe just said it in conversation. I got in so much trouble. And so 
I started getting called lewd a lot by my family. Like, oh, Shan's lewd. She's very lewd. As a young woman? As a kid. Lewd? Yes. Oh my God. Um, And it was just, you know, this natural desire that I had to love and for sexuality and for the human body was just repressed a lot. I also grew up in a West Indian household and we went to a Catholic school. And so when you have repression, two things happen. Either one, you conform and you're now a nun. Uh-huh. Or number two, you find a backdoor. Yeah. And I was a backdoor mother mother. So <laughs> I watched a lot of porn. I say this all the time. And you're going to be the person who actually gets it. Because this is a crazy thing to me. This is a really important reference in my life. And no one Tell gets me. it. I'm gonna try. The coldest winter ever. Yes. Social sister soldier. Yes. What? That, no one gets that? Nobody gets they that. They should be locked up. They should be locked up. That a, book is mandatory reading. It's a monumental read for me. I've read it 17 times. So... Remember when she lost her virginity? Yes. She came as soon as she was penetrated. Instantly. And I read that a billion times. I'm like, this is sex. And you know, I was watching porn. I'm like, this is sex. And I was watching TV shows. And so at 16 years old, when my coccyx fused and all my hormones were ready to go and my body was fired up and ready to start having sex, uh, my expectations were that of the coldest winter ever. Exactly. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. I was getting ready to say it says. And it was not. <laughs> and it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a lot. And by the time I was 19 years old, I had mm-hmm. seven sexual partners, zero orgasms, zero relationships, uh, a lack of self-love, a lack of identity with my body, hatred towards my body because I thought my body was broken. Of course you did. Yes. You wouldn't in that situation. You keep trying, you keep trying, and you're not getting what you think it's supposed to be. And you've watched it, and you've seen it happen for others, and you're like, there's something wrong with me. There's and you're something- not yet a grown woman, so you don't even understand yourself or your body. And there's no information. You know, I didn't, my parents did a good job in a sense of they said, if you have any questions, ask. Mm-hmm. And I say that's good on one hand, but I caution parents from using that technique because I don't know what to say. If you don't know what to talk about, why do you think I will? How am I going to ask you what I don't know? Yeah. And my mom too really like um, presented herself as a sexually perfect person. So she was like, you know, when I was 18, I had a boyfriend. We were in love. We did it for the first time once. And then I met your father. And then fast forward, there, here comes you. And so I'm like, mom's got to figure it out. I'm trash. So <laughs> I can't come to my mom. Like I was having sex with pickles at age 14. I can't tell that person like, hey, mom, is it okay to like use a carrot as a dildo? Those are the kind of questions I would feel comfortable going to my mom with. And you so, feel judged before you begin. Exactly. Yeah. So at 19, I was like just super unhappy and just uh, every negative experience you could possibly have with sex. And then once again, I was at a crossroads. I can make a decision. I could keep going forward or I could press the stop button and figure it out. And so I got myself a library card back when libraries were the only ways you could learn about yourself and sex. I remember those days. And I read every single sex education book I could find. Um, the Kinsey the Institute, in the Masters and Johnson, the Sex Encyclopedia. Uh, I think I read, I don't know if she comes first with Hour at the Time, but I read every book I possibly could. And I was like, wow, this is great information, but it's boring as hell. So and it's not for us, it's not, it's really not for, for women us. a lot of times. It's right. Well. It's too clinical. But also too, like sex sells. Hello. But sex ed does not. And so I saw an opportunity for someone to try to bridge the two together. And that's when I started working on my book, Laid. I love that. And tell everybody about your first book, Laid. Yeah, my first book, Laid, was basically just like a cry for help. I went to school at Coppin State University and that's in Baltimore. And I was on a track scholarship. And at the time I was 19 years old. That was mm-hmm. my first time really having honest conversations about sex. Because before that, I was sexually active, you know, as of, at 16 years old. But I would just lie. I was basically repeating what I read in The Coldest Winter Ever. Like, girl, I had 15 orgasms. Yeah, we make it up. Yeah, it was amazing. My pussy. So I don't know. Can we swear? You like, can be your I have definitely self. not sworn 12 times so far. So I want to say shout great. out to me. 
I was going to say, you're actually doing quite well, sis. But you can be your authentic self. Continue. Yeah, like, oh, this pussy's so bomb. And like, he was calling me. He's begging me. All we the all lies. Lied. The lies. I lied so much at that age. Yes. Because the truth was like, you're like, okay, it's me. So I have to lie. And since all your friends lied, you just thought it was really you. Yes. Uh, you know? When was your first orgasm? Like from, a, from partnered sex? <sighs> you know what? I'm so embarrassed to admit this. Probably like 20. Yeah, I think me too. You know, I faked it well. Yes! <laughs> I was, could get an Oscar yes! for that. You know what I mean? And I actually thought, I think midway through faking it, that I was like, maybe this is it. And maybe my expectations yes. weren't just, <laughs> were just, you know, like maybe this is what it feels like. And maybe I'm just, I don't know, how you can have a high pain tolerance. Yes. I was like, maybe I have a high ecstasy tolerance. Like I was like, maybe it's me. See? That's Trouble. such a great rationale. It's so funny. <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking. Yes. But everyone was lying. But I do imagine you at that age kind of being the girl that all the young girls gathered around. And it was like, what's this? And has this ever happened with your vagina? And did it, you just seem like you've always been the source. No, I've, the I've always been loud. I've always been. And I think I was a loud liar. Mm. You know, I, I was probably very harmful to a lot of people, actually, because I told such lies. Um, so I probably spread a lot of misinformation. I was probably someone else's coldest winter ever. And they're mm. like, this is what sex is supposed to be. Shan said that she had 50 orgasms. Um, so, so I'm going to go sleep with all five of these <laughs> yeah. things and hope I can find one. Exactly. And then when they don't, they're like, something is wrong with me. I'm broken. Let me go lie. And the cycle continues. And so at that age, that's when I really just pressed the stop button. And I was like, okay, like what I was saying is when I was at Coppin State University, we were around each other constantly because when you're on a track scholarship, you're based, they, they own you. Yeah. So you train twice a day, you compete every weekend. And on that team, people were like, I haven't had an orgasm before. Or I've had tons of orgasms. Or I've had anal. Or here's what oral is and why it's so good. And here's how you do oral properly. And here's how you have oral performed on you properly. Here's how fingering gets done well. Um, I met a girl who was HIV positive, but still... Are really, you know, not exactly what I thought of at 19 years old, what an HIV positive person looks like. And so I was like, there's so many powerful, interesting stories. I'm engaged. Yeah. I'm learning and I'm drawn in and it's sexy and it's funny and it's interesting. But at the same time, it's real. Yeah. Like, this is a sex education that I was missing. And if we just weaved in some facts here and there, like, this is it. And so my book laid was just that. I collected stories from people that were real, authentic and honest. And I wanted them to tell everything tell me about what you wore and like how you sprayed down your sheets and yes. your feelings and all of that. And then tell me the next day that you cried on your pillow because you felt sick to your stomach remembering that night because it wasn't what you expected. Or tell me that you called your best friend because it was awesome. Like, tell me the full story. The whole and truth. Let's learn from the truth. Um, and that was, you know, 10 years ago. And I think I still utilize that exact same technique to this day. That is your brand. You are so authentic and you get other people to be authentic. And you're not about glossing over things or sweetening them up so they feel good for the internet or for TV. You're like, no, this is just the truth. Whether you're talking about open relationships yes. or sex or love or marriage, because you're married. Yes, Congratulations. We married. Red. Yes. We I'm, married. New. I'm new to this. Not true to this. So Congratulations. Yes. How's it feel? It's the same. I always said it to people. I think people have this letdown when I say that, but we already live together. So I find out whenever I meet a couple who I'm like, oh, they're newly married. And they're like, we did oh, it. my God, like marriage just changed everything. We're so much more connected. I just feel like when I look over, it's like my person now. And you're like, really? Mm -hmm. Like, it's what what changed? And they're like, I, we just, you know, just fell in love more. And then you ask a couple more questions. They moved in together. And you're like, OK, so you <laughs> felt closer because they were there now. Yeah, that's Before you had to call them. Now you woke up. Boop, they're there. So, I mean, not to say that it can't. I'm sure, especially if you are religious. 
feeling like you were now in God's favor and God's light and that the union solidified by God, I'm sure would give another level of True. love and, and of validity and an impact. But for us, we were already living in sin. No, it's real. Yeah. So. No, it's real. My husband and I had the same scenario. We got married and we came back from our honeymoon and we looked around our apartment. We were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because we had been living together for some time and we had an epic wedding, epic honeymoon. But then that, you know, the ride is ending. The roller coaster is coming down because you've had this amazing like two weeks in your life. And we were like, I was like, shit. And I was like tapping my feet. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, well, we just have a marriage license now. Like, I'm going to frame it, but we got to do something. So we redid the entire apartment. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, something has to be different. Yes. I you know, like that. our new life together has to start. So we literally redid everything from corner to corner, from paint to furniture. I was like, we need a grown married couple's apartment. That I means because you, like you said, you, you have to do something. Yeah, I respect that. We didn't do anything. Um, we definitely didn't go on our honeymoon You should right do away. it. You should do it. It's not you too late. Know what? I actually loved it the way that it was because I said yes to him forever because of who he was. I wasn't expecting to be like, oh, there's going to be another level to this. Right. And if there is over time, that should naturally organically happen. I didn't expect for the day to change things. And I'm like, I don't know. I loved it. I loved everything about it. We got married in a house and my family stayed there for the week. His family stayed there for the week. I'm from Beautiful. Canada. So our families coming together was a big deal. We have we a lot on. of listeners in Canada. Shout out to Shout Canada. Shout out to Canada. Too. Toronto. Bup, bup. Um, <laughs> my honeymoon, I guess, in I'll put in air quotes, we went to Las Vegas with my parents and my aunties. I love that. Yeah. So it was like, you know, it was just, I don't know. It, it was like a really good representation of our relationship. We're like the same person. We kicked off our honeymoon in Vegas. Yes. And then went to Maui. Girl, I didn't what know Vegas gets on? that cold. Girl. When we went, because we went, it was like around New that Year's Eve. When? It was 50 degrees. Like so. we were in winter coats. Um, and so, you're Caribbean? I know you were like. So I reclaimed my time <laughs> and we redid the honeymoon in February because um, I was like, we got to do that again. That was not the honeymoon I want to remember. But you actually had your second honeymoon too. I just saw the picture. Yeah. yeah. We, we like to do that a lot. We like to just enjoy being in love. I like we're that. excessive with it. Like any chance we can get to redo our honeymoon, we're going to renew our vows next week in Aruba. <gasps> like doing wow! all these things. Like we're just going to for ninth just year. Go for it. We're, well, we had an opportunity to go to the most beautiful beach in Aruba, so we're like, while we're there, you know, let's just recommit. There's no rules. There's no rules. There's what are none. rules? We're millennials. Do it again for year ten. What are rules? Yeah, right. exactly. We are with a party yeah. <laughs> and an Instagram filter. Okay, I don't like. I love that about love being that. young millennial and in love. And yes. you and I love that you're married because the other day I was telling you I was on BuzzFeed Hello Opinions and I felt like a dinosaur because I'm millennial. This and sticker married. is from two days ago. How hard do you work where the sticker's so worn out? <laughs> I know. Seriously. Oh, you mean that? Oh my God. I know. Seriously. I'm yeah. working all the time. <laughs> Girl, you know, this content game, it's serious. Yes. And we have to give women what they need, which is this amazing relationship advice. Oh, thank okay. you. And we can we talk, talk about, about my book. Okay. I'm, in case I'm, you guys I'm, can't see. I'm rubbing it. I'm yes, rubbing it. Rub it. Mm. No, but what I'm getting at seriously is to be a millennial dating expert is kind of weird mm -hmm. because so many millennials feel like they're not getting love right or dating right. Yes. They don't even feel like it's for them, mm -hmm. which is a lot of why your book came about. Like this idea that dating is just a game, but yes. not a game they can win uh -huh. and not a game that leads That's to love. Fun. So I was invited on the show because I'm a millennial, but I've been married for almost 10 years. And she was like, you're just like so weird. It's amazing. And I was like, <laughs> what? But in a good way. But yes. I was still like the auntie on the panel. And I was like, what's happening? So you are a millennial now. Relationship expert, sex expert, sex expert, and you're married, but you wrote this book to help single women. Yes. So can we get into the book, please? Do you know what? To be super honest with you, yeah. The subtitle says five surprising secrets. First of all, there's no surprising secrets; they're pretty basic. Um, but secondly, <laughs> it says to dating with dominance. I really would scratch that line out. I would just really? say five surprising secrets to getting what you want. 
It's really just about using intimacy as your superpower. I love that. We are born to bond as mammals, as anybody who procreates. You are, you're born to bond. I mean, survival and procreation are the two goals that are built into all of us. And so for that reason, um, when you think about humans, we're not the fastest runners. We're not the best swimmers, we're not the best tree climbers. We don't have the sharpest teeth. What makes us special? What makes us stand out? What is our superpower in essence? It's yeah. our ability to work together and to rely on each other beyond reasonable doubt. So I, when I say love is our superpower, I don't mean that like in a hokey way. I mean like in a literal biological way, our greatest gift is our ability to connect and to be social. Yes. That being said, why aren't we spending more time learning how to be incredible connectors? Like to me, I obviously, and we're probably on the same page with this. We believe that there needs to be a sex education reform. Absolutely. I agree with that. But I also think on the flip side, what about an emotional intelligence component to education? Also necessary. Why aren't we learning in kindergarten, you know, when our best friend plays with someone else and we now want to stab that person, <laughs> what are those feelings inside of us? How do we manage them? And how do we tell her? Yes. How do we tell her? Exactly. How do we resolve conflict? Like, these really big parts that are going to be integral to your life because socialization and connection are the basis of the human experience. But yet we have no education on that. And we so we can't for communicate me, what we want because we don't know how to say it. Yeah. We don't have the, I, my pet peeve, honestly, I hate vague advice. I hate vague advice, especially when it comes to love. And so when people say, oh, the key to relationships is communication, I'm like, well, babe, what know do you how. say? We don't like, say what? It. You know what I mean? Like, the, oh, the key to going to Thailand is to speak in Thailand. That's why not, not their language. I am definitely ignorant for that. But Thai. No, but we're with you. Thai. But I don't speak Thai. So what are the words? Like, I need more specific language. I need more concrete instruction. I need exactly. for you to walk me through exactly. this. And so that's what this book is. It's like, let's take things back to the basics. I want you to be a masterful connector. And as a result of being a masterful connector, you will be a better dater. And so the book is like as much as it's a dating book, I think it's really just about the basis. Like you have that. When I walked into this room, like you lit up, you made me feel welcome. You made me feel alive. Mm -hmm. Like you are already, I meet people all the time and I'm like, I could sit and learn from you. Like you are, you yeah, you are a professional seducer in my eyes. And oh so, honey, don't listen to this. I'm not, my husband's my biggest podcast fan. He's going to be like, seducer, you say. Well, you know, I think so. He gets it. Seduction is the ability to draw it. people in and have them wanting to come back. No, it's true because I've actually had a lot of experiences in my life where I have a male friend or coworker or something like that. And they think that I'm flirting with them, but I'm absolutely not. And my husband or somebody will be right there and they'll be like, oh, she's not flirting. That's just her. But, but it can come off that way because I think I make people feel good. Yes. And that sometimes can translate into something that it's not. And that's fair. But like you said, I'm seductively warm. I guess, you know, I mean, like maybe that this goes to like your it. relationship dynamic because I think of myself as super seductive and extremely flirty. I feel that. And I don't look at that as like an impingement on my partnership because I think mean, flirty is like, it's Tuesday. It's not like a thing that I'm like, oh, it's Saturday night flirting. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to the Uber. Let me flirt. Like yeah. I'm going to go get a hot dog. Let me give a compliment. So Flirting is just communication plus sparks. It's a language. And I, I want people to feel something when they're around me. And so why not add a little extra sauce in it? But Yes, sauce. Yes, sauce. But it depends on your relationship style and how you want to respect that. And if you prefer the words like warm and engaging, then like that's what exactly what I mean. I and mean, words are powerful. Words are powerful. Now, in this book, you were particularly helping a group of women. Yes. And we talk about it because you really forced these single women <laughs> To like basically Not the go. Word forced. <laughs> no, but I love. But basically, okay, they've signed up for it, but they didn't realize yes. what they were signing on for, yes. and they thought they could half-ass it. And you were like, "No, sis, yes. we're going to do the work." But you really helped them, and in the end, they all swear by this. So, can you please talk about the actual? It's basically like a boot camp. It was the book a boot is a boot camp. camp. Yeah, I actually did a TV show years ago called Shambooty is Your Perfect Date." 
in which I went on, I think like 50 first dates and different people. There was nothing consistent. But the thing was, you know how we think about cooking. Yeah. You can be a great cook and we can all acknowledge there's a certain amount of skill. There's there's recipes like there's a talent to that. Yes. But when it comes to dating, we don't think about that like a talent. We don't like there's universal principles that will work across the board. So for this show, I went out to prove I'm like dating is a skill, y'all. So when you're telling me your dating's awful and dating is bad and this and the third, it's a skill that you haven't acquired yet. Yeah. And that's okay because a lot of us didn't grow up with parents who were great examples. Again, we weren't taught emotional intelligence in school. We were never really pushed to pursue our own individual education. So why would you be great? Exactly. You've been at this for 10 years. So yes, you're a master. You have been professionally talking to people for 10 years. So of right. course you're a pro. Most other people aren't. So exactly. I'm like, if you're not good at dating or, or dating is trash for you, you can learn. And so I went out to prove that there's like certain things you can do to always make a date go well. And while the show went well, the feedback I got from people was like, yeah, but you're a light-skinned girl with green eyes and curly hair. And like, of course it went well for like, you. Of course it happened for you. And that's fair. So don't get me wrong. I'm saying it in a mocking voice. It's absolutely a fair assessment and critique. And so for this book, it was important that I show that it worked on others. And you have all different types of women. Please talk about it because I think what you did was brilliant. Yeah. So I cast, I put out, a, I actually don't have a very large audience in LA. So I thought I would get like 15 people who would apply. It was 300 wow. who really just like, were like, I'm down to do this. And it, it was like, I'm not offering any money. I'm just saying this is an immersive summer experience in which you're going to learn how to date better. And so I was looking for single people who are ready to try something radical. 300 women? Yeah. Apply? Yeah. See? These streets. These streets. <laughs> these streets are and tough. I, we get asked these questions all the time. So I can imagine. Okay, so they showed up. They're ready. Yeah. So I actually interviewed them all um, via like Skype or FaceTime because like yeah. you have to have that face-to-face -face interaction. And one of my favorite books that massively impacted me is The Science of Happily Ever After by Dr. Tai Tashiro. And in that book, he talks about like, you, everyone gets three wishes. And so when you're looking for a partnership, you have to have your three wishes really clear. Mm. And so that's what I use to scout out these women. I had three wishes that I was looking for. And if they met those three, then they would be considered. And so I ended up with six. I originally thought I wanted three, then I pushed it to five. Um, and those six women range from age 24 to 37. Uh, it was black, white, Latina, and they all had different jobs. So none of them had anything in common other than the fact that they were like, this is trash. What next? Dating sucks. Yes. And what happened? It was great. I mean, this is the thing. It's like, it was such an incredible experience for me learning wise. Because when I originally started the book, I was like, this is a six week boot camp. <laughs> six weeks of becoming a masterful seducer. And then meanwhile, one year later, I'm still working with them. Um, so it was definitely a recognizing point for me because I'm like, I've been in this space for 13 years. So my muscle memory is there. So picking up a new technique is easier for me. Right. Similar to a basketball player, them trying something new is easy if they are already in practice of the basic tips. And so for these women who had never done anything, everything took a very long time. And so we had, had to, to do the work, really go slow. Yes. And really do the work and really a lot of like, um, the, the biggest magic to me was the group dynamic. And I think that for anyone reading this book, it's great to read alone. But if you can read it with friends and have a discussion and take some of the parts in the book where there are activities. I was going to say, that's what you do. Activities and quizzes. You together. really ask us to assess ourselves. Yes. In every aspect of romance and matters of the heart and body. Talk about that because when, okay, there's a section in your book about figuring out your turn on trigger. Yes. And I can't answer it. And I don't know. Why? I, I, I felt away. I was like, well, I'm kind of stuck between, I think it's A and C. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Those are really different. Like, am I two people in that? Desire and environmental. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And I was like, are there two women in me? Because that just feels so different. But I didn't even think of a turn on trigger. Mm -hmm. I've been whole married for almost a decade. And I was like, turn on trigger. Like, what's this? I'm, you know, we're all still learning, but I was, I'm still kind of struggling to answer, but I'm not going to give up. So you know I like what? That. You, you can have two, same with love languages. You can have two. You think that right? aren't those kind of weirdly opposite guys? I mean, guys, you guys have to read no. the book to know what desire how weird means. I am. You need someone to look at you and be like, "You are hot as hell. Take your clothes off. I want you right now. Go. I want you." That felt so urgent, right? Yeah, like you are just dripping with sex. I want all of it. Yeah, in my mouth. Um, and then environmental <laughs> is, and also. Can we clean up? Right. And I need a light and some music and clean sheets. Yes. I want my senses to be engaged in this moment. So I think that you can be both. The the thing would turn on triggers. Yeah, would tell everyone what they are because, you know, I read the book. They have made me haven't yet. Okay. Sorry, guys. Um, So turn on triggers is a way of assessing, especially I think in long-term relationships. Because when you first get into a romantic connection, your biology is doing all the work for you. Yeah. It's like, again, we're born to bond. And they're like, your body's like, oh, here's a new person. We're bonding with them. This is a possible person we can, we can procreate with. It's yes. so exciting. And so your risk and reward center is lighting up. You're getting this dopamine rush. You get the adrenaline. You get the butterflies. And there was actually a study by Dr. Helen Fisher, which I love. And she said that all those initial feelings you get in the beginning of a relationship, how your body is lighting up with somebody, if you actually felt that over a long period of time, you would shorten your lifespan. Because all of that like adrenaline going through your system and all that really? like spike of emotion would damage your tissue over time. What? And so we can't continue to have that fireworks. And so when you first get together with someone, you don't need a turn on trigger. You're just turned on all the time. Instantly. And then after a while, you have to start doing the work yourself. Mm-hmm. Your body is no longer like doing all of the effort. You had to go and into manual. And so a turn on trigger is a way of assessing how do I get my partner on the same page as me? Because we may not always be in the same page. So if I'm looking to engage sexually and they're not there yet, what do they need in order to like get into that space? And the five are uh, mental, which is like sapiosexual. You need a mental connection first. Uh And you have desire, which is exactly just the language that says, I want you. That really ignites you. Tell me what you want. There's cat and mouse where you like a little bit of the play, the push and pull. If someone's like always asking you and they're all over you, it's like, let me come to you. Right. Like, let me like warm up to you. Entice me a little. Then there's environmental, which is yourself. All your senses have to be treated as well. Um, and then finally, there's the transactional. And that's somebody whom sex for them is not really that exciting. But sex, if you go pick up the kids, now we're talking. Like sex, give me something and I'll exactly. give you something. Like, it feels so unhealthy to me. It, But think about an asexual person uh-huh. or think about somebody who has a low sex drive where it's just like, that's just not how they make connections. And like, that's not their thing. And that's okay. And so for that person, if they're still engaged with somebody who maybe has a slightly higher sex drive, it's like, look, like, I'll make this compromise for you, but I'm asking for a compromise in return. You guys, I kid you not, we're talking about literally like two pages of the book. That's yeah. how good it is. <laughs> like, we just had an entire back and forth and we're on one chapter. Yeah, You have really done the work. But this work is for single women. I do want to make sure we help them a bit if they're listening. Um, we, I feel like the most common thing Black women say to me is dating is pointless. Like you said, it's trash, yes. it's pointless. But you've basically proven that we can change the way we look at dating and change the outcome. So what do you think are maybe two things that single women can just do right now to change the outcome of their dating? Because that outcome is what's discouraging the sisters. If you want, here's the first thing, though. I want to say specifically for black women, like, let's not gaslight. Dating is harder. Mm -hmm. It is more difficult. Um, You don't, black women don't get the benefit that a white male might have of having 
preference in the dating space. Yes. Whereas a white man walks into a room, people think he works there. People think he belongs there. There's a natural like acceptance and a draw towards that person. There's more familiarity. And so, and also too, we watch movies, white women or white males are always seen as the love interest. And so, you know, a lot of our brain is based on uh, exposure, familiarity. And so if we're familiar with someone being pegged as a love interest, we are familiar, we're comfortable making them our own love interest. So for that is a, a, a three, of the, three of the six women that I worked with in the book were black women. And mm-hmm. across the board, everybody had the same experiences and the same awful stories. I did a, yeah. a video that was me interviewing and Keandra Jackson, who, you know, yes, she was also in that. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist talking about their experiences. And I found myself speaking a lot of times and saying like, I, no, that, that can't be true. Right. Like that can't someone could not have said that to you. And they do. Um, and because my experience as somebody who's mixed, a mixed black woman is very different than a, a African-American black woman. I'm also Canadian as well, too. So I have to affirm that first and foremost, if you think it's hard, like completely understand and I validate your experience and your right to feel that way. But I think also black women have done an incredible job of defying the odds everywhere else. Yes, we have. And the shitty thing is you actually have to just accept the fact it's going to be harder work. You know what I mean? Like uh, black women are the most educated group in North America. That's a stat that came out two years ago. I don't know if it still holds uh, weight to that. But I receive it. <laughs> that to be said that against all odds, like you have risen to the top of the food chain. You have worked your ass off. Yeah. You have become the yeah. breadwinner in your family. Like you raised children. You have changed the world. You have shaped culture. You have loved on each other. And that wasn't supposed to be the story, but through hard work and dedication and learning skills and applying yourself and pushing yourself, you accomplish that goal and then some. And so the thing with love and relationships is like that same domination can happen, but the equal effort has to be put in. We can change our endings, ladies. Yes. And giving up is not the answer. It's not. It can't be. I mean, especially I would say in some cases, like there's some things in life I'm okay with like not being great at. Same. You know what I mean? I'm okay. Yeah. Like I'm cool. (laughs) Fine. Like I'm trash. Let's all talk about it. It's fine. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I always put in my extensions. Not that great. Like my ponytail is kind of like makeshift on today. And someone's like, you know, you could sew it in. I'm like, I don't want to sew it in. I don't. I'm okay. okay. I'm all right with the tracks. Move on. Um, So (laughs) there's just things in life I accept that like, I'm just, I don't want to try. I just don't think that love should be one of those things. Now, what is it that we're doing that we can stop doing though? Because I think a lot of the work, the onus is on us to, your book is a lot of, is really about self-assessment mm-hmm. and un- better understanding like your dating style and what it means for you to date with dominance. Can we talk about that? Because I think that it's so important. So I'll give you like two like sort of don't give away like, the whole book. I'll give away like, like uh, so it's kind of a mix because I mean it's three hundred pages. People ask me for like two things. I'm like that's it for this week on the solve. seventy five. I hope we have um, is phase one. So I mean the, the biggest heart. thing you could do is get Until to know yourself. Here's, here's, here's what I'll do. Yeah, if you go to thegameofdesire.com/slash/workbook, uh-huh. it is a free workbook. There is no like entry. There's no email entrance. It's just go and do it. It's all my favorite quizzes and assessments. I love that. Big five. Um, it's apology language, attachment style, orgasm recipe. That's a great way to get to know yourself. And like that should serve as your basis. And once you do that, I think that will do a lot of clarification. Number two, my favorite dating tip, just in general, so you never have a dull time on a date, mm-hmm. employ the two to one. What's that? So for every one question someone asks you, make an effort to ask them two in return. I love that. They're going to enjoy the date more, number one. Two, you're going to improve your listening skills. And three, when you listen, you learn. Even if you learn something that's kind of like boring or whatever else, like at least you're getting something out of it. And that's an easy way. People love to talk about themselves. I mean, you've made a career off of this, right? Seriously. Seriously. It's, it, it, and they do. And honestly, the more I feel like you quiz a person, the more 
comfortable they get with opening up and being vulnerable. Yes. And you kind of want to get there, especially when you're dating. Like, it's, I feel like you don't have time to waste. It's so crazy. I did this experiment once where, you know, the 36 questions to fall in love. Oh, yes. So I tested it out on a date. Did you? But I just was like, let me get through. I didn't tell the person I was doing this. So I'm like, I'm going to get through all these 36 questions and see if in the end we feel closer. How'd it go? Literally did not ask me a single thing back. I, because I was just asking and following up and they were like talking and so excited. Talk about oh, themselves. Oh, so in a good way. They just, they just, yeah. I love that. But when the date was over, they were like, I've never felt like I've been so close to somebody. I feel like I know you more than I've known anyone else. I'm like, you don't know nothing about me. Like, you know, <laughs> but it's, I, know I know everything anything. about you. You don't know my last name. You don't know what I do for a living. Like you just talked about yourself this whole time. But that left you feeling like this is what connection is. So I said to say that that's a hack. Yeah. If you want people to feel really close to you really quickly, ask questions like that. That's the dating hack. And what do you feel like are dating myths about black women? Because I think there's, you know, uh, we know the ones that like we're just not desirable um, with men of other races. I don't think that's true. No. You know what I mean? That um, our intelligence and career um, you know, attributes make us less desirable to Black men who are educated. I don't think that's true. So what, in your experience, are some myths about Black women in dating that we need to stop, let go of? I think you just listed them all. And I think that Black women are doing an incredible job of the rebranding. I think I see that happening. Mm. I look around this room and I see everybody rocking natural hair. You know what I mean? Like yeah. reclaiming your space, like not trying to compare or compete, but really just stepping in your own grace and excellence and essence and not... There's a, Weaves, of course, that. are beautiful and no, wigs. But I'm the wig queen, but I just mean in, in sense of like really being like, no, nah, this is the space that we're occupying and we're doing it in a sexy way. And you know what? Like seeing Lapita as the love interest in Black Panther, even like that was something new, I think, yeah. to experience and see because it's not just a movie for a Black audience, it's a movie for everybody. Reclaiming that narrative. And yeah. I think for a four year old white kid to see that, I think is really, really impactful and important. Absolutely. Um, and so I would say that the, those myths that have been existing, I, I see the work that's already being done. And so I am more of a fan. I'm in the audience. I am an appreciator and uplifter. I don't think I'm the leader of that conversation. Now, I could talk to you for the rest of my life because we're best friends and I feel like yes. you never stop giving gems. <laughs> I'm sure gems. everyone thinks that you guys are best friends. You think so? I 100% think so. I oh think my gosh. people must always be like, yeah, we're, we're besties. Me and Charlie are besties. And you're like, I talked to them once at Starbucks. No, I, I'm warm. Like you said, seductively warm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to that for the rest of my life. I'm going to add it to my Instagram bio. Yes. <laughs> seductively warm. But seriously, you have to come back so we can go in about everything. If you want to leave the listeners with one thing that you absolutely need them to know, about you and this book? What is it? My favorite like one-liner from this book and something that I think I adopt now is the mantra that you are whoever you consistently decide to be. Mm. And so you are not beholden. I think when I talk to people and they're like, I'm introverted or I'm not a good flirter or I'm not good in crowds or I'm not good on dates. There was a point in time that you probably said, like, I can't do eyeliner. And now you're a winging ass queen motherfucker. You know okay, what I mean? Like, like hello. You learn, right? You learn through practice. And maybe it was rough the first few times, but through repetition and through resilience, you figured it out. And now yeah. you own that space. And so you can be whoever you want to be. That is not a decision, though. That's a result of putting the work in. Yeah. And I implore and encourage you all to do the work because the results come in the process. And don't be afraid of the work. Embrace it. Because if there's nothing to work on, why be alive? Okay. And I implore you all to go get the Game of Desire. Go order on Amazon. Order one for you and your friend. All your single friends that tell you how hard the streets are, yes. get this book for them. No, seriously. Yes. This book was written for you. 
Chan is way too humble. It's incredible. Your YouTube numbers say it all. You already know, guys. She knows what she's doing. Thank you. It's happened. You, you know, you are that one. Thank you for all the gems today. Thank you for your time. And you better come back. I know. I'm actually I'm sad serious. that this ended. It feels like a date that was cut short. I'm like, we're having a great time. Like, I we know. Should, which is we why should keep I was talking. literally like, we have to do part two. Next time I come to LA, I'm bringing the mics and we're just going to do it again. Yes. We should just make this a I want you on my thing. YouTube channel too. <gasps> Stop it. No, I do a sex talk and it goes there, but I, I want us to go there together. I'm okay with that. I will beat my face, come on there and just stay up on there. <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned, guys. Charlie's going to come on my, I'm on my YouTube, come on channel. YouTube channel. But I would love that. And we love you. Thank you, Shan. Thank you. Thank you, Essence listeners. You are amazing. You are special. Special thanks to our guest, Shan Booty. 